How many of you felt like spring cleaning yesterday with it being so nice? Um, I know that with all the germs floating around, uh, some of us have been trying to avoid coughing and all of the sickness that's been happening, uh, like the plague, and not getting too close to people and washing our hands a lot and everything like that because we know that um, maybe we dodged the bullet, maybe we didn't. Maybe some of you are recovering uh, and you're feeling a lot better now. Uh, Some of you uh, maybe have never had to uh, contend with it. And uh, some of you are thinking, let's just not talk about it and jinx it, so let's move on because I'm feeling pretty good. Um, So all of us, I think, know the value of having things in order. And sometimes in order to have uh, the things that are important in order in our lives, we have to keep them clean and we have to keep them healthy. And uh, in beginning uh, this year, I've just thought about laying that good foundation that we need to lay uh, for living our lives uh, um, in the best way possible. And it just starts with some of the fundamental things, beginning how you start your day with, um, with your soul uh, connected to the Lord. And I, I try to roll out of the bed every morning and talk to the Lord and get my heart and my mind in that place that it needs to be. Uh, then I'll, you know, I'll get done and I'll, I'll uh, make my wife some coffee so that her soul can be in the place that it needs to be. And um, and then uh, you make the bed and just put everything in order, and I see that as a good way to start the day. Now, having a junior higher in my house, uh, I just remember what I was like in junior high, and um, we've thought about buying some tape to put across our junior, not our junior higher, our, he's a, he's a, where does the time go? He's a sophomore, um, but he sometimes reminds me of how I lived in junior high and probably as a sophomore too. That is, for some reason, they get in their head that it's not necessary to keep your bedroom clean. And we, short of getting biohazard tape and putting it on the door, uh, we decided yesterday while he was at a debate, we're going to clean his room. And... It's amazing how organic things begin to grow in places they should never grow. And I discovered that, oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. I remember doing that to my mom. And after much cleaning and scouring and finding laundry that was missing for who knows how long, Everything got in order, and we could actually open the door, and it would just smell so fresh and so inviting. And that's in microcosm what God is, is, is saying to us, is that there is um, a spiritual layer to each of our lives, that when it's in order, it's healthy, and it's attractive, and it's um, a place, an environment where God really feels comfortable dwelling. At the same time, whenever we don't keep our souls where they need to be, it's not that God doesn't want to reside there because he does, but I think sometimes it's like this. And as God looks at us, he's saying, you know, you really need to sort these things out. But when God is looking at our lives and he's telling us that, he's really not telling us anything that we don't already know. And the thing that um, many of us have in trying to 
clean up our lives in the way that they are the most healthy and bring ourselves to a level of relationship with God and with each other that doesn't have toxic elements sort of um, affecting uh, conversations and thoughts and relationships, then we know that um, when everything is clean, everything is healthy. And while it's not in the Bible, uh, we know the old aphorism, cleanliness is the next thing to godliness. And there's something to be said about that. However, uh, if you're like me, uh, there are things that clutter up your soul occasionally that you know you gotta, you got to deal with. Uh, it could be that you wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you say, man, I've got I to gotta get that right. I've got to make that relationship what it needs to be. Um, I've got to change that pattern of behavior. And we've all had that feeling, haven't we, where we know that the room needs cleaned, but for some reason, we just haven't made it a priority. And as God looks at each of us, he truly loves us where we are at. Uh, there's no question. I love my kids where they are at. At times, they're challenging, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And when God looks at us, he says, I wouldn't change. I, 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 I love you where you're at, and I wouldn't change the relationship for anything. But I do know that there are things that we need to bring into order that just aren't. And as we try to come clean before the Lord, uh, maybe it's a troubled soul that you're bringing into this environment and you're feeling like, yeah, um, I woke up today or I've been waking up in the course of this week and I've been, I've been really not only troubled, it's really been, been torturing me and I'd like to get the upper hand on it. And maybe the difficulty isn't so much that uh, you, 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 the, you don't have the desire as much as you're not sure how to take the next step into making your life clean and whole and, and, and really pure before the Lord. And perhaps as we go through this today, this will help you to detox a little bit from that thing that, that nags you. And I'd like to just um, share a scripture from the Apostle Paul because I think that a lot of us um, have these, um, these strong feelings about things not being right and we want to change it, but it's become an ingrained habit or a pattern and we just like to change that in some way so that we don't have to deal with it. The Apostle Paul, in a very humble statement, made this observation about changes that he was trying to make in his life, but just couldn't. He said in Romans 7, 15, I, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And it's a statement that is really very personal in some ways, because we like to project to everyone that we have it all together. And I don't know that that's entirely bad, that we're trying to do our best and present the best. But at the same time, if we're unwilling to be honest with ourselves about things that we need to attend to, then chances are um, we're going to, at the deepest level of our being, still kind of have that self-recrimination. And I'd like to help you overcome that as even I wrestle with my own issues. 
so that the life that we live together is a life that um, really is in harmony with God and with each other. This is a consistent theme in Scripture because uh, even Peter, who was a, a close disciple of Jesus, said, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now, our bodies are just the repository for the soul that we have, that we take with us everywhere. As I've shared in the last two messages, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about us being made in God's image and likeness, and then God breathing into us his life-giving spirit, and thus we became, a li- we became living souls. And you may ask, what is a soul? A soul really is that component that represents our personality, the choices that we make that begin to make us and define our character. Our soul is that what some people call the executive function, the thing that tells the rest of your body and your life what to do. And the relative health of our soul is, um, is going to impact everything that we do and everyone that we know. And the good news is God has given us a profound way to get our souls healthy again uh, through his son. And so there are steps that each of us can take to be made whole, but sometimes they are painful steps. If you've ever tried to elevate your game a little bit, you know that it would be elevated already if it wasn't difficult. And the first step is to just take those things that well up inside of us and put them aside. And maybe each of us, if we were to like pull open uh, the panel that reveals our heart, uh, might reveal something that is more of our private persona than our public persona. And in it, we know that we're conflicted. And it could be just a secret sin that, that we're talking about from our reference in 1 Peter chapter 2. It could be that we have this little plastic card and we like it so much that we, every time we see something that we want, we use it to purchase something. Only in the process, finding ourselves getting into this pattern of not giving giving in uh, to the temptation of just consuming and buying and having. Knowing that it accumulates so fast on the accounting ledger that uh, it is a problem. It's a disturbing problem. And some of us have gotten to the place where it has become so consuming that the only thing that we can service is the interest. And maybe that's something that God is saying, I want you to begin to come correct on. Perhaps it's, uh, it's, it's the usage of, of some form of, of drugs, legal or illegal, that are your way of getting by and getting through. And don't get me wrong, there is a place for medications, but there's also a relationship that we can have with them that is unhealthy for our soul. And a lot of times, God will remind us, this is something that you're doing that really you don't need. And maybe you're doing it because the things that are torturing your soul are so overwhelming that this helps you to get by. And God is saying, there's a better answer. 
And there are two responses that I'm going to get to in just a minute that will help us discover what that better answer is as we can take those steps. And the secret sin may be that, you know, you, you've, got, you've got this device and you carry it around with you everywhere. But the, the bad thing about this device or an iPad or, or a computer screen is that you can see whatever you want to see whenever you want to see it. And chances are no one would ever know. And sometimes when you are spending time on the screen, you're looking at things that as you reflect on it, you discover that, yeah, that's kind of torturing my soul. I'm drawn to it, but in some dumb way, I'm allowing myself to get caught up in it. And I, I don't know about you, but um, I, um, I, I understand how things like technology can almost be captivating to a point where we lose our better judgment or we don't even think anymore. Um, any of you ever go fishing? Anybody enjoy fishing in here? Okay. Now, how, how is it that fish, typically, when they're hungry, can look at an odd-shaped worm hanging on a hook and feel like, hey, I've seen other fish bite that hook and then go flying into the air, not sure where they disappeared to, but I'm hungry, and that's looking pretty good, and chances are, I'm not going to go flying into the air. Well, the fish, not being very bright, knows the pattern and still bites the worm, gets the hook, and goes flying into the air. And it's just a dumb thing that fish do. Even though fish hang out where? In schools you would think that they would have a little bit better savvy. But I don't think... You guys are all fired. Okay, all right. It's supposed to, it's supposed to have my back up there. All that said, um, we tend to do things that we know we shouldn't do against our better judgment. It could be that there is a beverage that you have to have and it's one thing to maybe have a glass of wine every once in a while or something of that nature, but it seems like it's a repeated thing to the point where it seems to be affecting your soul. It could be, um, I don't know, um, I, I know that um, there are uh, a number of excursion buses that are happy to pick up um, older people and take them down to gambling casinos and allow them to just spend indiscriminately, which could be thrilling. I've never, thankfully, had that itch, but for some reason, it's also very devastating. And it could be that, on the other hand, you have something else that just seems to push people away, and that is their inconsistencies or the things that frustrate you that... Um, that result in outbursts of anger where you cannot help yourself but get angry. You get angry at your spouse, you get angry at your kids, you get angry at your dog, and you're thinking, man, I got to get a handle on this. Sure, the anger is justified, but the effect seems to be alienating. And the people I love just seem to be keeping their distance more and more and more 
and I know it's not right, even though I feel like it's right. It could be that you have um, issues in a variety of areas that trouble your soul. And I could just go on and on and catalog many more. But for the purposes of what we're doing today, I just want you to know that whatever it is, God has a way to help you through it. Now, I suppose that if you took any of those addictions and even more, the chances are you're doing those things because life is hard and it creates tensions in such a way that at times you just feel like you need an escape valve. You need something to just take you away for a little bit. And it's easy to be drawn into these things that provide so much immediate relief only to find that the effect that they have on your soul just leaves you feeling kind of cluttered, kind of dirty, kind of not right, and you feel stuck in this loop. And God says whatever it is that is creating those tensions in your life that are drawing you into this form of escapism, or whatever it is that you're struggling with inwardly that you know is devastating your relationship with him and with, with each other, God has an answer. He truly does. And everyone through the course of time has struggled with all of these things because it is, it is well, it's just the nature of life. Life is hard. Relationships are hard. Even following God sometimes can be hard because his expectations are so high and we feel so inadequate to meet them. We know that his grace is the one thing that keeps us going, isn't it? But we also know that maybe we're stuck and maybe in that tortured place that we're at, we need to move on. However, I think sometimes we don't move on Either A, we don't know how to move on, or B, if we do move on, want to move on, it's going to take a lot of courage. Um, God, whenever he calls people in the Bible to do things, like Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But what did, what did God call Abraham to do? He said, I want you, to, I want you go, to go to the land that I will show you, even though I'm not going to show you what that land is. And somewhere down the road, I want you to trust me that you're going to have children even though you're way past childbearing age. And in giving him these impossible expectations, God said, through your trusting of me, I'm, I'm going to bless you like you cannot even imagine. But you've got to trust me, and you've got to trust me on these things. I mean, there was even one thing that Abraham had to do uh, that, that later on the Israelites had to do, that I'm thinking that's, that's really pushing it way too far. And Abraham was told by God to be set apart through the act of circumcision. Now being a grown male, that would be pretty hard to think about without getting squeamish. But yet Abraham said, I'll do whatever you want me to do, even though it's difficult. All that to say when God calls us into something better, sometimes it's a hard step to take. But if we do take it, we feel a lot better about ourselves. 
we experience life on a level that we hadn't prior to that. And the love and the joy and the peace and the blessing of God runs even deeper. So what is it that we have to do? If we want to detox from the things that torture our soul, the first thing that I think we have to do is what we're instructed to do in 1 John 1.9. It's simply this. We must confess our sins to God for forgiveness. If God tells us to confess our sins to him, then he's provided a way for us to be forgiven. And in 1 John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, there is um, in the backdrop of every Christian's life an image of a cross that has been grounded in the earth while at the same time it has had affixed to it um, really the hero of our faith. The one who was called to do the most difficult thing imaginable, to take that next step from the garden to, to, um, to the place where his life would end. And Jesus said, I, I, I don't know that I can do it, but you, not my will, your will be done. And he followed the Father into the calling that he had. And the good news is, we are so blessed to know that through that bloodstained cross, we have a means by which we are forgiven. The sins that toxify your soul and mine are placed upon that cross in a manner that we can't fully explain, but somehow there is a transfer that happens. At the moment of our confession from our soul to that cross 2,000 years back in time. And in that transfer, God cleanses us and enables us to experience his righteousness, which is another way of saying his rightness. God's righteousness isn't, uh, it isn't a standard that he holds over us and says, you're not good enough. It really is a representation of all that is right. And he is pulling us into that rightness by first of all helping us to take all of the baggage along the way and let it go so that it doesn't slow us down so that it doesn't allow us to be cluttered in our heart and our mind before him and if we confess our sins to him he is always faithful and just to forgive us of every one of them. <laughs> to me, that's wonderful news. Because one of the reasons why I am here in this building is because of that. The church, as a vehicle for the good news of Christ, and as a signpost to the reality of that cross, has enabled me to have a clean soul. Where I couldn't find it anywhere else. Yet I know every Sunday when I take the Lord's Supper with you guys together, I experience that with each of you, that cleansing of, of my soul and, and that healing and that forgiveness. And God has given us a wonderful reminder every week 
that that power is at work. And I, and, I, and I can tell by the joy on the faces of people as they walk out of here that that effect has truly taken hold. And yet there's one other thing, as difficult as that step may be for some of us to admit, yeah, this is, this is really jamming up my soul and I need to confess it to you, God, and I, I admit that. And it doesn't matter how many times you sin in terms of God's forgiveness. His forgiveness is always there. But his desire is to lead us past that act that is really cluttering you up to a place where you're clean. And so he's going to work in each of our lives to make that happen through, through, through the circumstances that we face. And there's one other thing that um, I think will help us. And that's what we read in James chapter 5, verse 16. James says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, for me, it's pretty easy because I'm private. I can be pretty introverted sometimes to, in my own space, just clear my heart before the Lord. And I know that I have that forgiveness. But here's the thing. Because I'm keeping it private into myself, chances are in the course of the next week or the next month or sometime down the road, that thing may come back in and try to really just make life toxic again. And no one knows except for me and God. And God said, I've put another mechanism in place. It's not a comfortable mechanism, but let me assure you, it will provide the healing that you need. And that is, as we confess our sins to each other, we find that healing that we can't find anywhere else. And that's what we have to do to continue on, is to recognize that if it's private, it'll probably stay private, and it probably won't move anywhere farther. But if you're like me, you're like, who on earth would I trust to air the dirty laundry of my soul? Now, there's the rub right there, isn't it? Now, in the, in the, in the Catholic system, they have a confessional. And you can go there and confess your sins. Now, obviously, I, I don't want to put any disparagements on that. But I can tell you, it's probably in many ways not a whole lot different than just praying to God on your own. However, I found that whenever I have something that is on my heart that's bugging me, that's personal and private, and if I have a trusted friend that I can talk to about, it's amazing how freeing that is, how liberating that is. To just know that person is a safe place that I can bear my soul to and that they will not try to leverage that information against me later on They will not try to look down on me. They will only have one thing in mind. And that is, in humility, together, recognizing that if they come alongside me, that their whole intent is to help me through this. And as a pastor, I've had people share with me the struggles that they've had, the toxins that have cluttered their sins. And I'm glad that they've felt safe to be able to share that. And the good thing is I have a bad memory, so I really don't remember a lot of the stuff that I've heard over the years, honestly. Um, 
And what I tell people is if they confess something to me, what happens in the pastor's study stays in the pastor's study. You know, Vegas can't have all of the, all of the rules. Um, and so I know that there are those who take a lot of not only comfort but find healing in being able to just unburden themselves with that which is, is really keeping them stuck and preventing them from moving to the next step. And the cool thing about it is, by design, God has made the church to be that way. I mean, it's one reason why periodically you hear us talk about small groups uh, where you have maybe 12, 10, 12 people that gather. And maybe within that small group, there are a few people that you feel like they have your back, no matter what. And if you come to church and you, and you gather in rows like this, it's a wonderful thing, but you cannot get that same kind of effect that you have whenever you're gathered together in circles, where you're gathered in a group where people are loving and trusting and accepting of each other, and it's a safe place for you to say, you know, I struggle with this. And if you ever have known anyone who's been an alcoholic or involved in, in any of the 12-step groups, one of the reasons why they are successful uh, on many occasions is because everyone opens up by saying, my name is Leonard Moore and, I, and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Leonard Moore and I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to opiates. My name is Leonard Moore and I'm addicted to pornography. Or my name is Leonard Moore and I have a, I have a spending problem. And you're around a whole bunch of other people who say, yeah, we have our own issues as well. And in that, in that time of humility, you just begin to not only confess, but to heal. And God has designed the church to be a place where we not only find healing through a bloodstained cross, but that healing really takes its fullest effect when we find it through the love and acceptance and the encouragement that we have in one another. And I really like that about the detoxifying character of our faith. It is that one avenue that we can go down that says, this is the place of all the places that you can unburden your soul, that you can find healing that you couldn't find anywhere else. And so we confess our sins to God and he forgives us. But if we take it a step further, we confess our sins to each other and we find healing. And maybe some of us need to do that. Maybe this is where we need to start a detox process. Perhaps, uh, you know, maybe there's some of us in the room who, you know, we're taking a drink, but we're taking a drink too much. And we're looking at that and we're saying, I don't have a problem here. But if somebody in the last month or two has said to you, I think you have a problem, then maybe God is telling you, maybe you need to, you need to move past that. Or maybe the problem is, is anger and you're saying, I don't have an anger problem, so get out of my face before something happens. And it's funny, isn't it, how we have our own blind side 
And maybe you're saying, I, I don't have a spending problem. I can get a handle on it. Maybe you do. Maybe if you're not paying stuff off according to your budget or the end of the, year, end of the, uh, of the uh, statement, then you've got a problem. And maybe you need to sort it out. Maybe your problem is your phone or your iPad or your screen time. Um, a lot of people look at men and say, yeah, there's a lot of men hooked on, on porn. But did you know that 20 to 25% of, of the female population are as well? And it's not that I'm going to rail against that here, only to say that these are things that keep our minds from where they need to be in our life in Christ. And maybe you need to take steps to cut that out. Maybe in your life, there's just something you know that's been there for a long time and you've never been able to move past it. And I would say that if you've tried and tried and have had no success, that if you're sincere in your desire and you want to confess that before the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, that God will completely cleanse you of your sin as far as the east is from the west. But I'll tell you, it will probably crop up again at an inappropriate time unless you confess it to someone that you trust. Someone that has a desire to come alongside you and say, whatever you need to get through this, I'm here for you. Even if you need some words of accountability or words of encouragement or something that just tells me you're being realistic about what you're struggling with and you have nothing but the deepest, godliest desire to be made whole. And God will send that person into your world if you want to confess your sins to them or whatever it is that you need to sort out. There's nothing wrong with that. The modern version of that is a counselor. And many people have gone to counselors and sorted out their souls. And that's certainly uh, a very important thing to do and necessary many times. But other times, we need that wonderful counselor who creates other counselors in his own in his, own, um, in, in his own likeness to offer that same compassion and love and healing and forgiveness. So I'm going to end this message hopefully encouraging you to detox those things that torture your soul by the steps that God's outlined for us. It always begins in a spirit of surrender. And so I'll just ask you as we stand and we sing together, in his time, uh, that we surrender our hearts and our minds to him, and then whatever it is that God needs you to surrender after that, just give him, give him the opportunity to go to work and to make you whole and to give you peace in your soul in the process.